Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. You'll be now here in 1 Samuel 22 and verse 1. David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. So when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontented gathered to him. So he became captain over them, and there were about 400 men with him. Okay, all these guys that are discontented uh, and in debt, that's because Saul put them there. They don't like what Saul's been doing to them. They don't like the way he's been treating them, and they're not happy about it. And Saul's bully tactics have been going a little too far. And so he's basically uh, Saul's trying to do things to keep David from taking the throne. And it's actually getting guys to go band with David. David went from being called by God. He went from being a lowly shepherd to being in, in royal courts. And now he lives in a hole in the ground. But now these 400 men have joined David. Homeless David. 400 guys have joined him because Saul's oppression has been going too long. They they don't like it. They're they're tired of it. They're sick of it. You ever been pushed and pushed until you're just done? That's the way these guys are that have joined with David. But remember, Samuel warned Israel, did he not? We we studied that in the in the past chapters. He warned Israel what was going to happen if they took this king. He says if you take this king, he's going to take from you Take from you, take from you. I want us to be reminded in 1 Samuel 8, verse 18. It says, And you will cry out in that day because of your king whom you have chosen for yourselves, and the Lord will not hear you in that day. But now things are so bad that people had started to gather to David. And so I would rather live in a hole in the ground for the Lord than to live in a palace for the world any day. When you look at things through the perspective of the world system, the odds say that David's going to lose. David's not going to become king. So you got to then ask yourself a question. Why did God stack these odds up seemingly against David? Did he stack it up against David or is it for David? Well, you know, it was God's intention at this point in the story to get David to the throne If it's God's intention to get David to the throne, why do things look so bad for him right now? God is trying to get Israel to recognize his power, and he has set it up to not, it looks not so good for David right now, because God is eliminating David's power from the equation. That way, when he turns everything great, then Israel go, wow, it had to be the Lord that did this. When the circumstances look impossible for man, 
then God is able to show himself a lot more clearly. And so the Lord has stacked up the odds against David so that Israel would start trusting in his almighty power again. Because they'll say, there's no way David can pull this off now. They said that about Goliath too. There's no way this little David guy can take Goliath out. Well, he did. I want you just to be attentive in how God shows himself through our suffering, okay? So here we are in 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel 22 and 3. Then David went from there to Mizpah of Moab, and he said to the king of Moab, Please let my father and mother come here with you till I know what God will do for me. So he brought them before the king of Moab, and they dwelt with him all the time that David was in the stronghold. Okay. Recall in the previous chapter, those of you that's been following along with me, how the people of Gath, remember the people of Gath, that was Goliath's hometown. David went in there with Goliath's Goliath's sword, and the people of Gath saw David, and they recognized him, and they not only recognized him as David, but what did they call him? They said, isn't that the king of the land? You know, you don't just walk up to a king and say, I'm here to speak to the king. You've got to have what's called creds, cred, uh, credentials. It's like if I was to go to the White House and say, I'm here to see the president, and I'm just going to walk on in. Well, people are going to stop me. I'll never make it within sight of the president of the United States because I don't have the credentials to get into his presence. And so you have to have credentials to get that close. I, this is why when the Bible says, and so David went to the king, don't just skip over the top of Scripture, like skipping stones on water, that you miss big details like this. Why did David even make it to the king of Moab? Because David had royalty, and the people recognized this is the anointed king of all the land. Another detail that I don't want you to miss here is that David went to the king of where? Where was it? Moab. What is so significant about Moab? Do you remember Ruth? Remember studying about Ruth? I want to read to you from Ruth 2, chapter chapter 2, verse 2. It says, So Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, Please let me go to the field. Okay, Ruth the Moabitess. What does that mean? That means that Ruth is from Moab. Yeah, Ruth is from Moab. And what is Ruth's connection to David? Specifically, I want to show you part of Jesus's genealogy taken from Matthew 1, verse 5. It says, Boaz begot Obed by Ruth, Obed begot Jesse, and Jesse begot David the king. So there's your connection to Ruth. Ruth the Moabitess is David's great-grandmother. She's up there in in the lineage before David's time. And so David took his parents to the king of Moab so that they would be safe there among their own family members who descended down from Ruth and Boaz. David's wisdom here that he did to keep them safe shows us something very, very important here. If you want to survive persecution, if you want to survive trouble, assemble with family. If you're studying with me today and you got your Bible and little notes, you need to write down assembled with family. That's what David did. They assembled with family. First Samuel 22 and 5. Now the prophet Gad said to David, 
Do not stay in the stronghold, depart and go to the land of Judah. So David departed and went into the forest of Hereth. Okay, have you ever been working on plans before? You had a lot of things figured out, and all of a sudden the Lord shows up and says, I want you to stop what you're doing. I want you to leave and go this way. And you're kind of sitting there thinking like, but God, I have all this stuff set up. I've got all these plans working. I'm doing all these things. Um, I've felt that before. Uh, that's happened to me. I had a 20-year career in radio, and the Lord came up to me and says, stop and go that way. Leave all this. Go that way. And I'm just, but I, I've put 20 years into this. So you want me to just leave? You know, often we try to argue with God, don't we? <laughs> we try to argue saying, no, God, I've got this. I've got all this stuff lined out. It's going to be really cool when I get it set up and going right. Just let me do what I'm doing here, God. I've been planning this a long time. I'm experienced. I've been doing this for a long time. Not that God hasn't, okay? I know what I'm doing, God. Well, God knows what he's doing too, but for some reason, we like to argue with him that we seem to to know better, don't we? You know, if you talk to God like that, he will yank the rug right out from underneath you, and that'll be it. Matter of fact, the Lord told me, if you do not take up this ministry position now and try to keep what you've got, who says you get to stay working in the job you have? I was going to lose it all, so I had to follow the Lord. But I want you to take laser-focused observance to the text here, where it says, Look at it. Look in your Bible. I hope you're following me in your in your Bible. Don't just take my word for it. Take the Lord's word for it, okay? Look where it says, quote, so David departed. Do you see that? It says, so David departed. I want to make sure you see that. David departed. It's very important because this is what obedience looks like. This is obedience. The Lord sent a prophet tell David to go do this. So David departed, okay? When you read a story, you're like, oh, yeah, okay, that's easy. David departed. But what if it was you? What if you had your life all tied up into some big thing that has been the center of your life for a long time, and the Lord said, drop it, stop it, and leave. Go this way. Would you be able to say that you just departed? Or would you have a little fit first and maybe have an argument and not actually do it? I mean, come on, let's be honest. When you look at David, oh, yeah, David departed good for him. What about you? I think we really need to observe this right here in the text because this is obedience. This is very, very, very important. You know, it does no good at all to stand there and argue with God Almighty, the creator of the entire universe, on how you know better than he does. You know, when I word it like that, it sounds really ridiculous, doesn't it? But why do we do it? Why do we do that? Why do most people who claim to be Christians, oh, yes, I follow Jesus. I've given my life to Jesus, and he tells you to do something, and you won't do it. That's a problem. The reason that David obeyed so quickly when he was told to leave is because, quite frankly, he trusted in God. He just trusted in the Lord. May we all learn to do the same as how David did. 1 Samuel 22 and verse 6. When Saul heard that David and the men who were with him had been discovered, now Saul was staying in Gibeah under a tamarisk tree in Ramah, with his spear in his hand and all his servants standing about him, 
Then Saul said to his servants who stood about him, Hear now, you Benjamites, will the son of Jesse give every one of you fields and vineyards and make you all captains of thousands and captains of hundreds? All of you have conspired against me, and there is no one who reveals to me that my son has made a covenant with the son of Jesse, and there is not one of you who is sorry for me or reveals to me that my son has stirred up my servant against me to lie in wait as it is this day. Oh, poor Saul. Everybody's out to get me. He thinks everybody's conspiring and everybody knows something and nobody's telling him anything. And, you know, typically whenever Saul had a spear in his hand, he used it, didn't he? And it says here, it says Saul was sitting with a spear in his hand. That means he was coiled up like a snake. He was ready to snap at anything that flinched. Saul is looking for somebody to snap at. He's looking for somebody to get. And so he's a really scary guy to be around right now. Saul is so blind at the circumstances that's going on here. He actually thought he was a giver. Saul thought he was a giver. He thought, oh, I'm the guy that gives you everything. Can David make you captains over thousands? Can David give you these things? Look what I have given you. I, Saul, have given you all this stuff. I gave you title and, and things, and I yeah, that all comes for me. I am the great Saul. Look at me. You know, I think Saul was looking at it all backwards, because uh, remember what was warned. Let's look back in 1 Samuel 14, 52. It says, and when Saul saw any strong man or any valiant man, he took him for himself. You know, I bet Saul's men were thinking, yeah, I'm a captain, all right. And yeah, I'm a captain over hundreds or maybe over thousands, but you took me away from my family and my friends. You took my life away from me. And so Saul's men stayed quiet. Because Saul is going mad, especially with him holding a spear. Who's going to jump at Saul with him holding that spear that he has already tried to throw at David more than once? And he actually threw at his son, Jonathan, one time. Everybody's afraid of Saul. But you know how there's always an opportunist around? You ever notice that? No matter how bad things get, you always got this one guy that looks for his own selfish opportunity. Okay, that would be what's coming next in 1 Samuel 22 and 9. Then answered Doeg, the Edomite, who was set over the servants of Saul, and said, I saw the son of Jesse going to Nob, to Ahimelech, the son of Ahitub. And he inquired of the Lord for him, and gave him provisions, and gave him the sword of Goliath, the Philistine. Now when Saul said, I I can make you captains, Doeg just went, oh yeah, I I can get more. Saul is going to give me things if I just tell him the right information that he wants to hear. And so he tattletailed, he ratted David and Ahimelech out. He saw more of a chance to get a promotion out of this than rather take a priest's life under consideration first. Opportunists always think about themselves before anybody else. First Samuel 22 and 11. So the king sent to call Ahimelech, the priest, the son of Ahitub, and all his father's house, the priests who were in Nob. And they all came to the king, and Saul said, Here now, son of Ahitub. And he answered, Here I am, my lord. Then Saul said to him, Why have you conspired against me 
you and the son of Jesse, and that you have given him bread and a sword, and have inquired of God for him that he should rise against me to lie in wait, as it is this day. So Ahimelech answered the king and said, And who among all your servants is as faithful as David, who is the king's son-in-law, who goes at your bidding and is honorable in your house? Did I then begin to inquire of God for him? Far be it from me. Let not the king impute anything to his servant or to any in the house of my father, for your servant knew nothing of all this, little or much. Okay, Ahimelech's trying to defend himself. He's saying, I I don't know what this is between you and David, but I don't know anything. As far as, as Ahimelech's concerned, David's a good guy. I want us to recall in the previous chapter, when David came to Ahimelech, David lied to Ahimelech about why he was there. He said that this, the king had sent him on some kind of a secret mission. Now, this is not to justify lying, but the reason David did this is because he felt that was the best way to protect Ahimelech, to protect the priest of the tabernacle by not telling him that Saul was after him. He figured if Ahimelech doesn't know what's going on, then the king can't get him. He can't attack him or anything because he, he'll be pretty much innocent. He was trying to protect Ahimelech from knowing anything. Now Saul's paranoia, he thinks that even the priests are out to take him down. He thinks even the priests are out to get him. But I love how Ahimelech stood up for himself, kind of basically like, dude, I don't know anything. <laughs> I, I don't know. He basically asked him, who do you have that's as faithful as David? It's like, you're mad at David and you're, you're the son of Jesse, as the king calls him. Why are you so mad about David? David does whatever you tell him to do. At your bidding, he goes and he does what you tell him. He's your son-in-law for crying out loud. What's the big deal? Why are you so... Ahimelech is saying, I don't know what's going on, but I do know this guy, David, he's the best guy you've got. First Samuel 22 and 16. And the king said, you shall surely die, Ahimelech, you and all your father's house. Then the king said to the guards who stood about him, turn and kill the priests of the Lord, because their hand also is with David, and because they knew when he fled and did not tell it to me. But the servants of the king would not lift their hands to strike the priests of the Lord. See, I knew it. (laughs) They're too scared to do that. They're scared of Saul. They're even more scared to kill God's priests of the tabernacle. That's just something you don't do. There has to be a better way to resolve and fix all this mess that's going on. So this doesn't look good to them. So they're they're not they're not going to react. Friends, what we're watching here are people who are taking bold stands for the Lord's will. It's the Lord's will for David to become king and they're taking a bold stand. Ahimelech faced off with the king in the face of hostility. 1 Samuel 22 and 18. And the king said to Doeg, oh, look at that. He says, you turn and kill the priests. So Doeg, the Edomite, turned and struck the priests and killed on that day 85 men who wore a linen ephod. Also Nob, the city of the priests, he struck with the edge of the sword both men and women, children and nursing infants, oxen and donkeys and sheep with the edge of the sword. Okay, bad day, murder, a lot of people killed. Saul allowed them no trial, no hearing, 
no inquiry of any kind, no in-depth investigation at all. They tried to defend themselves, but Saul would not listen to it because he is paranoid. He's crazy. He wants, he's just killing. And only Doeg was the only guy that was willing to do the gruesome task of killing 85 priests and their families. We have now arrived to the full wickedness of what Israel had been warned would come if they chose that king in their rejection of God. And now here it is. They'd taken Saul as king, and now he has gone so far as to even have all the priests of the tabernacle murdered. 1 Samuel 22 and 20. Now one of the sons of Ahimelech, the son of Ahitub, named Abiathar, escaped and fled after David. And Abiathar told David that Saul had killed the Lord's priests. So David said to Abiathar, I knew that day when Doeg the Edomite was there that he would surely tell Saul, I have caused the death of all the persons of your father's house. Stay with me. Do not fear, for he who seeks my life seeks your life. But with me, you shall be safe. You know, I don't believe it was any accident that Abiathar escaped and got away because he would later end up leading the priests in Jerusalem under David's rule. We've got to remember in 1 Samuel 2 that the Lord said he would remove Eli's line from the priesthood. Eli the priest, he would remove their line from the priesthood. Because why? They, Eli had two sons and the sons misused their, their position as priests to abuse people and steal from them. They slept with women in the tabernacle, and these guys did whatever they wanted. And Eli was a bit too spineless to do anything about it. He didn't get them under control. And so the Lord said he was going to remove their line. Now, at the same time also, later, past this time in history, Solomon, who is the son of David, when David gets ready to pass the crown to Solomon, Solomon's brother wants to take the crown. He wants to steal the crown when David's about to die. And he needed a priest to have a coronation and have a big party and everything to, so that he could feel like he was the official king. So he needed a priest to join him in that. So who does he ask to help him steal that crown? He asked Abiathar, the very guy who escaped from Saul's murders. So he gets Abiathar to do it, and but Solomon finds out what's going on, and he thwarts the plans. It doesn't happen. And Solomon had his brother killed for trying to steal the crown like that because nobody wants Saul part two, the sequel. Solomon had his brother killed, but what happened to Abiathar? I want to take you forward to 1 Kings 2 and 26. It says, And to Abiathar the priest, the king said, Go to Anathoth to your own fields, for you are deserving of death. But I will not put you to death at this time, because you carried the ark of the Lord, God, before my father David, and because you were afflicted every time my father was afflicted. So Solomon removed Abiathar from being priest to the Lord, that he might fulfill the word of the Lord, which he spoke concerning the house of Eli at Shiloh. Okay, Eli was the priest and the tabernacle was at Shiloh at that time. But anyway, God said that Eli's house would be removed from the priesthood. And it all came true when Solomon fired Abiathar from being the priest. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time 
unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.